Good morning. Shavuot Tov, everybody. Today, we are doing Mitzvah 18, or if you're keeping track in the Sefer HaChinuch, Mitzvah 613, the last Mitzvah of the Torah. What is that Mitzvah? The Pasuk and Hazinu tells us, Go write down the Shira, go write down the song. <coughs> and teach it to the Jewish people. What does this mean? Teach, write down the song. So as we'll see today, there are a couple of different approaches what exactly the song is. We'll see as well that there seems to be a debate where we place the emphasis in this Pasuk. But to open it up, we're going to see the Rambam and the Sefer HaChinuch. The Sefer HaChinuch we've encountered before, an anonymous work, counting all 613 mitzvos. The general assumption is, right, this song is referring to the Torah. Meaning to say, go now, Moshe has commanded, and write down the entire Torah so that it should be, it's, right, the source sheets are over there. Go down and write, there's a mitzvah to write a Sefer Torah. That's the general assumption. The question really is going to, be, to come, become is, where exactly do you place the emphasis on the Torah? There's two ways to read this passage. It's now go write this Torah so that you can teach the Jewish people, which implies that the emphasis really is on the teaching aspect of it. And the way in which you can teach is only if you have svarim, the Sefer Torah. Whereas others say no. The actual point of this mitzvah is to have Sefer Torah, whether or not we're planning on learning from that, but the, just the, the very fact we have a Sefer Torah, the holiest object in our religion, we have something we can point to and say, Vezosa Torah, we have something in the Ark. You know, it, what, what anchors the shul, gives sanctity to the shul, is the fact that it's a Sefer Torah. That's the, that's the objective. It's less about learning from it and more about mm-hmm. just having it. So this is going to be the debate. But again, where's the emphasis? Are we writing it so that we can learn? Because it... Because we already have a mitzvah of Talmud Torah. So you could say, you could say perhaps, that you see, the smog does not count the mitzvah, the bahag, excuse me, does not count, and the, the bahag does not count a mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Why not? So some want to say because he placed the emphasis in the latter half of the Pasuk, the point really is to learn, and he goes, that we already have a mitzvah for. We should be learning Torah all the time. And if there's no need to have a separate, and therefore what's the Torah telling us? It's kind of like it's good advice. Go write a Torah so that you can learn from well, let's, let's, let's explore it a little more before we, before we jump, jump up and down because there's going to be, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. The Rambam writes, Mitzvah aseh kol ish ish Yisrael. There's a positive command on every man in Klal Yisrael. Excuse me. Again, interesting he puts that on every man. Why does the mitzvah say she's mangramos? We'll get there in a minute. But there's a positive command on every man in Klal Yisrael. Lichtov sefer Torah la'atmo. To write their own sefer Torah. Shinemar, as it says, v'yata kitzvul chemes ha'shirah hazos. We should go and write down this song. Kolomar kisvulchan Torah sheyesh b'shira zu. And that's also interesting. That where where is this verse found, Jonathan Balkore? Exactly. It's following has following Hazinu. Hazinu Parshas Hazinu is written as a shira song. That if you ever get the Aliyah of Hazinu, you'll notice similar to let's say Az Yashir, it's written differently. The layout in the Torah is different. It's, uh, well, Az Yashir is, it's written the way the, the Gemara first was like bricks, laying of bricks. You have, you have a word, a word, and then a word below it, then a word, a word, a word below it, almost as if you're laying bricks. It's not written in, in a uh, full line of words. And Hazinu is written in columns, as if to convey this is a song. So the way the, the, way the Ram says, why Shira? Why is it a Shira? The Ram says, very simple, that write down 
the work that has this book in it, that has this song in it. That's the, almost it's a, it's a roundabout way of saying it, perhaps. Okay, fine. His, and why, and meaning to say as follows. So the Rambam's of the opinion, one's not allowed to write a half a Sefer Torah. Once you, when you write a Sefer Torah, it has to have the full, complete five books of Moses. So therefore, when the Torah, when the Torah says, write down the song, the only way to write it is really if you have all five books, i.e. I, you have a full kosher Sefer Torah. There are others who want to learn this Rambam, be a second, others who learn this Rambam, and say, no, that's not necessarily true. That maybe the Rambam thinks the point of this mitzvah is only to have Parshas Hazino. As you go through Hazino, and it's really a God giving us Musr and God telling us you better behave otherwise, and, don't, and don't, you know, don't get caught up in the hedonism, focus on the transcendental, focus on what's important in life. That's the Iker. That's what's so important. The problem is you can't write a Sefer Torah without Parshas Hazino. You can't just write a Hazino. You have to have the whole Torah. And therefore, almost incidental to having to write Hazino, you have to write it, write it within the whole, uh, the whole Torah. Uh, a ramification again would be whether we, when we say write Hazino, we, do we mean the whole Torah versus no, we just mean write Parsh Hazino, but there's no way to write Hazino without the Torah. One of the ramifications would be what if you write the whole Torah and then it all gets erased and you just have Hazino left? You have to go rewrite it or no, really the point was to write Hazino. What if you write Hazino and you, you uh, violate, you violate, you say you violate the Salafah and you only write Hazino? Are you Yotze? Now again, there's going to be a lot of questions I've, I'm going to try and preempt you. We do write half the Torah. People have the Parshas Katoras, right? You seen that? So Tzvilim is a, a separate din. That that does a, it's a positive tells us we can do that. Okay. But pe- we do so we do tend to write it. So we that. Uh, well, again, there's a positive that tells us to do that. Um, but I think. Okay. Well, there is a positive that tells us to write Shira Adamina. Good, good point. Fair, fair point. Um, I think a lot that has to be explored a lot more beyond what we're going to go through now because we do write it. We write Chamashim. Why is that allowed, etc. Yeah, you got another half, Mina? Um, well, it would also matter if you read a separate Torah and part of it goes possible and that's not the Okay, correct, correct. Say, say, exactly, exactly. Then the Ramam goes on to say, Let's say a person, again, if the point is to have a separate Torah, so a person opens up the will after <laughs> their father passes away and they find, oh, wait, I inherited a Torah. Says the Ramam, You still have a mitzvah to write one. As in, the command is to write a separate Torah. That would be a whole one? Yes. And says the Ram quote in the Gemara, a person who writes the Torah, or maybe they, have, they hire someone to write the Torah for them, as if they accept the Torah from Harsinai themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the Ram says something very cryptic, and anyone who has a Torah, unless the Torah is missing one letter, and they fill that letter in, it's as if they wrote the whole Torah. It's going to be a little hard to understand what the Rambam means by that, but let's, 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 let's stop there for a minute. I'm going to get, I want to just get the Rambam. So what we see for the Rambam is, there's a mitzvah in every man to write a Torah. The mitzvah seemingly is the emphasis is on writing the Torah, which is why if you inherit it, you still have to write it. And, and okay, that's, that, that's for the Rambam. Comes along the Sefer HaChinuch, and he has a totally different way of understanding the purpose of this mitzvah, this command to write the Torah. It says as follows. First of all, he gives a reason for it. Why would the Torah command every person to write a Torah? Why would it work? Why? So he says that when someone has things that are, when, when things are accessible, then we tend to use them. When people have to work for something, oftentimes they just say, I, I don't need it. When things are handed to someone, it's much easier. So if everyone has a Torah sitting in their house, they're probably going to come to learn it. That's an interesting psychological point. So he says that if we, you know, if we create a proliferation of Torahs in Klal and you can easily walk to your bookshelf, you don't have to go to the local base measures, you're much more likely to use it, right? That's why Amazon is so popular. It's easy. It's easy. Okay. 
And then he says as follows. So it could be for the, we'll, we'll get there in a second. Vida, Bani, says as follows. The actual positive command is to write a Sefer Torah, as in, what we have standing behind us. Says, even though the Iker Mitzvah is to write a Sefer Torah, but one can fulfill this obligation somehow with other Svarim. What does he mean by that? Other Svarim? So if you look at the rush, listen, listen to what he says. And this is the other approach, right? Raman's approach is write a separate Torah to have it. So rush is like, no. But Omrani, this is in the bold of that below. The Vade mitzvah gadola he lifts on separate Torah. Vagamin lamoch elamotorah Right, there's a command to write a Torah. There's also a command, we're not allowed to sell a Torah for anything other than to teach, to, to teach Torah and to get married. Those are the only two exceptions when one's allowed to sell separate Torah. Other than that, we don't sell separate Torah. Avol ha'idna says the rush nowadays. Shekosvin sefer Torah menichanosav betekinesios likrobo rab mitzvah. Now what do we do with sefer Torah nowadays? It used to be back in the day, you wanted to learn, so you opened up your sefer Torah and you started learning. But nowadays no one does that. What, what's the purpose of our sefer Torah? What's the, why do we have them? We write them, we put them in the R, we pull them out three times a week, delaying from them. And other than that, no one's opening sefer Torah. I'm not going to ever come here, open a sefer Torah, and start giving shir. We don't do that. We don't do that. Do so he said. So he says as follows. Um, he says, therefore, the mitzvahs I say he I'll call Ishmi Yisrael Asher B'yadu Mesagos Lichtov Chumishich Torah Mishnah Gemara Purshal Agos Bem Hu Bano. So the mitzvah has seemingly changed or has become more expansive to include really any sort of book svarim that will lead to Talmud Torah. Meaning to say, says the Rush, the emphasis on the pasuk is not writing writing the Torah. The emphasis is really on writing a Torah so that you can learn from. Well, in the event no one's learning for Sefer Torah, says Darash, we now have a positive command to go and write other Svarim, to go and buy other Svarim. Perhaps for the Rush, if you inherit it, it's not the biggest deal in the world. It's not a problem because, again, you can, you're still learning from it. The point of writing the Torah is to learn from it. As the public says, so you should teach the Jewish people. And therefore, he goes on to say, and, and the and interesting, the pre-Chadosh actually thinks this is true. The pre-Chadosh writes that nowadays, seemingly, there's no mitzvah to write a Sefer Torah. And the Beis Yosef jumps up and dies. He's like, what are you talking about? You're going to change the Torah? You're going to change the Torah? The Torah says, write a Torah. So either you could say that the mitzvahs become more expansive, or you could say the command never was to actually write a Sefer Torah. The command was to write something to learn from. In the days of the Torah, all you had was a Sefer Torah. Or you can say, again, it's, Always was more expansive, but the uh, but the the rush the rush says the point of writing a Torah is so we can have more Torahs to learn from. And what emerges is a lot of nachkamim, a lot of very fast named differences. And I'm going to give you one second. Right again, Rambam is to write the Torah, to have a Torah. Maybe perhaps the, for the reason that the uh, Chinuch says is because when it's accessible to you. Well, I'll tell you not the Chinuch. There's a Talmud of the Rambam says the reason he gives the reason goes people tend to care for and care about things that they're invested in. If someone spends so much time writing a Torah, they're probably going to become much more invested in it. That's one approach. The rush says, no, the point of writing a Torah is so you can learn from it. And if that's true, you have two totally different ways of looking at this mitzvah. Yeah? I was going to say, like, is, the, the team, is it about writing it or purchasing it? Like nowadays, no one, you don't write any spark. They're all printed. 
Correct. So you start seeing, according in the world of the Rambam, the Rambam very much employs the Gemara. The Gemara says anyone who, who buys the Torah, it's as if they were chotev Torah min ashuk. Not exactly. They, they stole the Torah from the shuk. I mean, it says if they, they're, they're, they're trying to get out of doing the mitzvah. Rashi, give me one second. Rashi understands it to be, you didn't get the mitzvah on the highest level, but you still got the mitzvah. Rambam seems to say, like, no, you, maybe you're missing out on the mitzvah. But I want to go to what's called an afkamina before. You, you had an afkamina or... But it's about the um, writing the Torah. You're allowed to pay somebody to write for okay, you. Okay, okay. But if you buy a book, aren't you technically paying the people who wrote it to write the book because you need to publish it, you need money, you need it? Like, well, that, that, that's, that's, not if you go buy a chumash. Huh? Not if you go buy a chumash. So I want to give a couple of interesting interesting Nafkaminas. Ready for this? What happened? Do you make a bracha when you finish writing a Torah? Do you make a bracha when you finish writing a Torah? Assuming you can figure out when exactly. The, the, let's say you have one letter left, you make a bracha. The, uh, the poskim seem to be split. The Maribe Rav first writes that maybe you should make a bracha. Why? Because you have a mitzvah to write a Torah. But ultimately he concludes you shouldn't because he says the finishing of writing a Sefer Torah, the finishing of this mitzvah is not when you write the final uh, lamet of Me'enei Kal Yisrael. It's when you start learning from it. You start learning from it. That's the, fi- that's the completion of a Sefer Torah. <coughs> Very interesting, no? It's Birchus Torah. And if it's Birchus Torah, what it's telling you is the point of, of writing a Torah is really to learn from. Well, again, you have to, I guess I said, I don't know when he would actually say that. According to those who say maybe you shouldn't make a bracha, I don't know when that would be. You know, the other discussion that comes up for this is you make a bracha before you build a sukkah. So then I also, I don't know when that would be as well. We don't pass in the way, but you make, the Yushalmi does. Would you make that, you know, well, he, actually, he actually brings us into the discussion. When you make that before you put the first piece of schach on, before you put the last piece of schach on, that I don't know. We can, we can look into that. What do you say? So we pass it to Heksher Mitzvah. Similarly, we pass it also writing the Torah according to the Rosh would be like a Heksher Mitzvah. Maybe that's what maybe Barab says. Correct. And then you have to figure out why or you don't, don't make a bracha. Right. Um, the... Um, what else? We have uh, there uh, a couple of because we had that. If you if you inherit it, you buy it. I don't want to get. It's a little more complicated. But one of the places this, this does come out is well, one is what if you write one letter, right? You know how they at the end of uh, there's a fascinating truth of Rakiv Eger. Rakiv Eger asked the following question: A person's walking in the road, they find a sefer Torah on the floor. We have a halacha. Sefer Torah only has its kedushat sanctity if it was written by someone who is able to imbue a sanctity, as in they're a God-fearing Jew. In fact, if a non uh, if a non-Jew writes a Torah, I think we put it in Geniza. If a heretic writes a Torah, we can burn it. We burn it. That's what Ramam says. We burn it because it has no sanctity. You're walking down the road, you find a Sefer Torah. Can you assume it was written by a Jew or do you assume it was written by a heretic? So, so Rekhi Vegar says as follows. Open it up. If the last column, all the letters look identical, it has no sanctity. If they look different, it has sanctity. Why? Because what, what's our practice? What do we do? We, everyone, right, we, we all go, the sofa comes, we make a big ceremony, and everyone comes and, write, and, and fills in the letters, which means the last, the last, column of a Sefer Torah, the letters are a little off. They're a little off. So that's what Rebbe Vegar says, but, but what I want to pull out from there is, what if you write one letter in the Sefer Torah? Because we know a Sefer Torah is missing something. A Sefer Torah is missing. A letter is possible. It's, 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 it's not valid. It happens to be. Just put, throw it out there. What does it mean it's invalid? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Do you need to read your weekly parsha from a valid Sefer Torah? So it's actually Machlokus, the Rambam and the Rambam and the Rambam. Two different places in the Rambam. One's in a letter and one's in the Mishnah Torah. Do you need to read the Sefer Torah from a valid Sefer Torah? The Rambam in one place says yes, the other place says no. 
The only time we know for sure you definitely have to read from a, a valid Sefer Torah is when you're reading a Kriya de Orisa. You're reading a biblical command like Parsha Zachar, or maybe Parsha's Para, or Hakel when the when the when the when the, when they all go, the king reads, or or what else? If you want to fulfill a mitzvah of writing a, a Sefer Torah, so if you're if you're of the opinion that you don't need a kosher Sefer Torah to read the Torah from the Torah, which I'll tell you how we pass in a second. So then, so then, why would you need a kosher Sefer Torah? Because you want to fulfill the mitzvah. You want to fulfill the mitzvah. Now, how do we pass it, by the way, with, between the Rambam and the Rambam? The way we pass it is very interesting. What we say is, you should strive to have a kosher Sefer Torah. But let's say, you're at the end of the, the, the seventh aliyah of Parshas Bahaloshan, right? The longest, no, Nasa, the longest parish in the Torah. Last seventh aliyah, you're at Machir, and someone goes, oh, wait, there's a letter that's messed up. We say, well, in that case, you don't have to go back and start over again. Because we know the Rambam and the Chuva says, you don't need a kosher Sefer Torah. And what we do is we'll close it up, and we'll pull out a kosher Sefer Torah from the Ark, and we'll read from that one from where you left off. Why? Because we, we, we kind of, we straddle both. We straddle both. The, um, but we're, we're, that, that was a tangent in a, ta- that was a tangent in a tangent, right? But it, it's still, again, it, it, it falls into that. So what happens if you write one letter in the Torah? You write one letter in the Torah, and now you complete the Torah, now it's complete Torah. It's interesting. In Hilchah Shabbos, in the laws of Shabbos, in order to violate Shabbos, you have to do what's called a significant act. And we're familiar with this in other areas of Allah. We discussed last week, in order to violate eating non-kosher, you have to have a significant act of eating, which is a kazayas. What's a significant act when it comes to Shabbos? So depending on the, on, on the, on the malacha, on the, on the work you're doing, that's going to depend on, therefore, how we're going to qualify what is considered significant. Meaning to say, if I take a toothpick and stick it in the ground, I don't know if we'll call that bona, although they, they used to hide their, their needles in the ground. You have to do something significant. When it comes to writing, what's considered significant? I make a line in a paper, now it's considered writing? So the Gemara tells us you have to write two letters. Why? Because the smallest word is two letters. So you write two letters, now you're, you're in violation of writing on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, what if I write the Lamed at the end of Le'enei Kol Yisrael, and I finish the Sefer Torah? Suddenly now I've imbued one letter with significance. Is Aksiv, is Makai Patish, I don't want to get into. But the point is, in, in Hilcha Shabbos, if you finish off the Sefer Torah, you've not, you're not in violation because it's considered a significant act. Well, what about if, I, if I'm, it's a regular weekday, and I write the Lamed, did I, did I complete a Sefer Torah? So seemingly, you can argue it falls out on this machlokas as well, of Rambam and, and Chinuch. According to the Rambam, the point is to write a Sefer Torah from beginning to the end. So if I write one letter, yes, now I've completed the Sefer Torah, but I didn't write it. Whereas according to the Chinuch and the Rosh, no, the point is to have Sefer Torah around so we can learn from. So if I write the Lamed, maybe one can argue, I have now fulfilled my obligation. I've now fulfilled my obligation. No, it's interesting. Any thoughts on that? Is this where the idea of cheaper secret Torah, of training non-Jews to, in countries where labor is cheaper to write everything except for like the last column and then have the Jews? No, that's not allowed. That's not I've, never, I've never heard of that, and, I've, and I, ho- I hope we don't have any secret Torah like that. <laughs> also, part, for many reasons. Wait, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll give you why right now. Right here, we'll go to the next. I'll, I'll skip. I'll get to this one as well. The, um, the yeah. Correct. So, for, so, so that, that might that might fall out into, uh, onto the, into this uh, discussion, although there it's more of a fundraiser. Right. Uh, Mitzvah Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So that that that. Right? So that that's, that's another question. Can you do uh, can you can you do with shutfis? That's, that's another question that could be also play out in this as well. Yeah. We have. Nineteen ninety two. Yeah. 
So that was Elliot's question. Do you, do you all fulfill your obligation or not? It happens to be, what we do then is, it, ha- it happens to be, what do you, yeah, you know, it, ha- it happens to be is, we don't actually, we don't actually write the letters, right? The, the sofa fills it out, and then you just fill it in because they want it to look neat. It's most probable that when the sofa makes the outline, that's actually considered a kosher letter. It's, 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 not, it's not ideal, but it's considered kosher. So you're, not, you're just filling in the ink, and you're really just making yourself feel good and getting, <laughs> giving some money to the show, which is fine. When I did it, I, like, the sofa's like, oh, are you, I'm appointing him as my agent. Yeah, again, we want to fulfill, do things in the most ideal way, but that, get, that also gets around many issues, because let's say, uh, I don't know, let's say you're, the local heretic shows up, and he's like, okay, can I fill it in? And what do you, what do, you do then? Lemaise, it, it was filled up, the, the, the sofa really, you know, oftentimes the sofa could be in Israel, and he, he did it all then, and it ends it that way. But yeah, here's another discussion, this comes, plays into, I think, what Imbar was just saying. Is a woman obligated in this mitzvah? The Rambam already told us the woman's not obligated. The question is, why not? The question is, why not? Because it's not a mitzvah to say she's mangrama, right? It's not a mitzvah to say she's mangrama. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a command to write a Torah. Surely a woman should be involved. The Chinuch writes, I'll tell you why a, woman, a woman's not obligated. Well, what's the p- purpose of this mitzvah, as the Rosh told us? Talmud Torah. And a woman, as we know, is exempt from Talmud Torah. Right? We call from last week, we had the whole discussion about tefillin. We wanted to know about tefillin, why uh, we need to, the Rambam had a separate exemption, learning the fact that a woman's exempt from Talmud Torah, so she's exempt from tefillin. When we said it, it's not mitzvah, it's mangrama. We didn't have a good answer for the Rambam. It happens to be I went home and I looked in the Mechilta, and I saw the Mogan Avram had a commentary on the Mechilta, and he says, he actually flips it. He says, the way we know a woman's exempt from Talmud Torah is because she's exempt from tefillin. Because you would have thought a woman's high in Talmud Torah, because Talmud Torah is an all-encompassing, all-the-time mitzvah, so, whether it's day or night. And therefore, but the fact she's exempt from tefillin, she's exempt from Talmud Torah. Okay, put that there, I need to answer that now. But the point is, a woman's exempt from Talmud Torah. So the Chinuch says the reason why a woman is exempt from from the mitzvah of, from the mitzvah of, writing a Torah is because she's exempt from Talmud Torah. For the rush, so that's the rush. For the Rambam, that's not a wise woman exempt. So I'll tell you, the Shagasari jumps in. And the Shagasari says it must be a woman's obligated. It must be a woman's obligated. He was a very independent spirit. He said it must be a woman's obligated because it says it's a, it's a say. It's not a it's a it's a, it's a say. It's not time bound, and therefore the chinuch the, the, the Shagasari thinks a woman's obligated. Um, which is very interesting. Now, how would she write it? How would she write it? And this is probably the reason why the Ramah says she's exempt. We have a clause that anyone who can't write tefillin can't write a Sefer Torah. And who's obligated to write, who can write tefillin? Only someone obligated in writing tefillin. So a non-Jew is not obligated to write tefillin, they can't write tefillin. A non-Jew is not, a woman is not obligated in the midst of tefillin, she can't write tefillin. We extend from there when it comes to the Torah as well. If you're not obligated in tefillin, then you're not able to write tefillin or a Sefer Torah. Again, as we said, a Sefer Torah has to be written by someone who's able, who has a certain level of, of obligation. So perhaps for the Rambam, the reason why a woman is exempt from the mitzvah is not because it says mitzvah says she's not grandma, it's just because she, she can't write it. Well, the Shagosar is like, no, I'll tell you what, so hire someone. Most people, I don't think... I, so he clearly thinks, still thinks that the exemption exists. But for the rest of us, the Shagosar said, you know, if, if Charles Vanesky wants to fulfill his obligation... <laughs> No, he might just say, I'm going to follow the rush, and I'll buy a, 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 a sitter for the shul and good and well. I'm not spending $50,000. But let's say one day Charles wakes up, and he's feeling very magnanimous. He's like, I want to done with the to the shul. And he goes, right? Are you going to write it yourself? No, you'll hire someone. So a woman can do the same thing, which is what the Shagasarius says. The rush is like, no, she's totally exempt because she's not, a, she's not obligated in Talmud Torah, whereas, whereas the Rama is going to say it's probably because, again, she can't write it, she has no obligation. And the Shagasarius is like, no, she has an obligation, she can hire someone. 
so you can hire someone. And that leads me to the last point, and the Beisal Levi points out as follows, and this comes up in other areas as well. He said, if we did not have the myth, he says, why is a woman exempt? Why is a woman exempt? Because after all, a woman is obligated to learn, right? We, this we know, a woman makes birth to Torah. Why? Because she's obligated to learn the mitzvahs that are pertinent and relevant to her. And if we're honest, that's all of the negative commands. And it's really most of the positive commands. Like, barring a few which actually happen to be very prominent, like, like uh, you know, sitting in the sukkah, she's really obligated most positive commands. I think it's only like six or seven, uh, seven or eight she's not. And the eight one being writing the Torah. Right? That's why some say yes, some say no, seven or eight. But uh, so that being said, she's really obligated to really learn a lot. I'll tell you what. Get through Kashrus, get through Shabbos, get through you know, Hilchas Nida, get through Mikvaos, get through, at that point, Hilchas Yomtif, at that point you finish the Smicha curriculum and a woman's obligated and all that. So before we get to the area where the woman's not obligated and she's pretty much obligated in basically most of why you Smicha. So why does she not have an obligation to write the Sefer Torah? So the Beisal Levi said something very interesting. He said, if, if the Torah never commanded us to learn Torah, we would still have an obligation to learn Torah. Because how else would we know how to make a sukkah? How else how we, would we know how to, when to eat matzah? How else would we know when to do any, you know, when, any, any of the other 613 mitzvahs? In order to know how to do them, you have to learn about them. So the Beisal Levi says there's something very interesting. He says there's two levels when it comes to learning Torah. There's the base level of learn in order to know. Learn in order to know that everyone's obligated in. And he said there's an additional level of work that comes when the Torah commands us to learn Torah day and night, and that's beyond just learn to know, but that's to learn just to learn. Learn for the sake of learning. Learn for Talmud Torah's sake. He said the reason we write a Torah is not to learn to know. According to the Rambam, or it's more like according to the Rush. Okay, it's a little complicated here. But really the reason we write a Torah is to learn just for the sake of learning. And that only a man is obligated, and a woman's not obligated, and that's why a woman's exempt. Meaning to say, had the Torah commanded us to learn just to learn how to do mitzvot, so a woman would be obligated as well. But the reason the Torah says, write this Torah to teach Jewish people, is to learn in order just for the sake of learning. That's a higher level, and that only a man is obligated in. And that's why a woman is exempt from writing the Torah. No, I'm not, I'm not going to get there. That's, that's, that's a very different discussion. Practical matter, women's handwriting is much sweeter than ours. Well, that, that, a woman, regard, that regardless of whether a woman's obligated or not obligated, a woman, a woman who writes the Torah, it's, it's not a kosher Torah. There's no, been a, there was a movement a few years ago in certain movements to write for women to, to get women to start writing. They're not, they're, they're not kosher Torahs. Okay, that leads us to this very interesting tosfos. The pasuk tells us in Yeshua, the pasuk tells us that Yeshua, after he captured Yericho. Yeshua comes into Eretz Yisrael, he captures Richel, the whole ceremony there, and he, he circles the city seven times, blowing show where the walls come down. It says that night, Yeshua, um, enough, Yeshua is sitting, at that night he's sitting outside the city, he raises his eyes, there's a person standing in front of him, he's holding the sword, Yeshua goes and says, who are you? So again, the scene is Yeshua, think of the battle, the battlefield is there, they just won the war, and Yeshua sees that that night, a person standing with a sword. He says, who are you? And the person responds, I'm a Malach, I'm an angel. And it says, immediately Yeshua falls on his face, and begins to talk to him, and that's the story. Comes along Gemara's following. The Gemara says, let me give you some background what's going on here. Gemara Megillah on Dav Gimel Aleph. Turn the page. 
Yeshua captures Yericho, says the Gemara, and he sees a man standing in front of him. He says, who are you? So the, so the, the person says, I'm an angel. He says, why are you here? Why did you come? Why are you here? So he says as follows. Emish, but lossem tamid shall be in our bayim. Ba'achshem, but lossem tamid Torah. He said, I'm here to deliver a message to you, Joshua, the uh, leader of Jewish people. Last night when you were preparing for battle, you didn't bring the evening sacrifice that one is obligated to bring every single day. And now, because you're so tired from battle, and you're, so, and you're involved in the battle, you are not learning Torah. So I'm here to deliver a message that you did something wrong. You did something wrong. Just because you're engaged in battle doesn't mean you can, you're, you're exempt from these things, perhaps. So Amr Lo, al Azim and Ba'asa. Well, which one of them did you come from? I know I, you, you didn't come for both. You came, I did something wrong. Is it because I didn't bring the communal sacrifice? Or is it because I'm not learning Torah? So Amr Lo, Atabasi, I'm here now, meaning to say I came because you're not learning Torah now. So Miyad, immediately, what does he do? It says Yeshua went down to sleep in the middle of the Amek. Amr Yochanan, Yochanan is cut off. Meaning he went to delve into the depths, the valleys of Halacha. And he began to learn. Again, what's the story? The story basically is Yeshua, now, there was some sort of lull in the battle. He now had free time. Therefore, he should be learning Torah. And, he's, and the, the, the Malach chastises him for sitting there and resting. And sitting there and resting, you show a person of your stature, you're not learning? How can it be? That's the story. Comes along Tosfos, and Tosfos says, and how do I know what, like, what exactly, like, how, how does the Gemara know what's going on here? So if you look at the word, the word that Yeshua uses, it goes, the, the Malach uses, he says to Yeshua, Yeshua says, why are you here? He goes, Atabasi, I came now. Pirus Rivon, Al Torah Torah Baas, he came to tell them that you're not learning Torah. How do I know? The same word of Atah, is we write and now write this Torah. It's the word now write this Torah, the same word as the Malach said, and now I'm here for now. So we see I'm here for now, means the same the same now of I'm here for now is he's alluding to the fact he's supposed to write the Torah. That's the story. I've read this story many, many times. I went Megillah, fortunately, many times. And then we move on. Okay. Comes along Rabbanachem Ganak, the OU. And he quotes the following from the Panavich Rabbi or Kahneman. He says as follows. A person, as we discussed on Shavuos, who's involved in one mitzvah, we know is exempt from other mitzvahs. Why that is, we can give many reasons. Osip a mitzvah, patam in a mitzvah. Yeshua is in a mitzvah battle. He's conquering the land of Israel. Multiple mitzvahs over there. He's certainly exempt from learning Torah. He's certainly exempt from learning Torah. So what's the Malach telling him? I mean, the Kahneman says something so powerful. There are, there are multiple verses in the Torah that tell us to learn Torah. Multiple verses. Of all the verses in the Torah that say to, that are much more straightforward, learn Torah, which one did the angel quote? Learn this Torah. Learn this song. Comes along of Gahan and says as follows. There is, there is a level of obligation to learn Torah. There's even a level of obligation to learn Torah for Torah's sake. But then there goes beyond that. Then it becomes, I'm not learning because I'm commanded. I'm not learning because this is, this is just, the Torah says you should learn Torah day and night. I'm learning because it's a shira hazos. It's a song of our life. Way beyond just being a mitzvah command, this becomes, as he says, this is the song of our life. It's a song, right? So interesting, Torah called, the Torah is called a song, a shira. That, he says, is not relevant to a technical discussion, am I exempt, am I not exempt? If the Torah for you is a song, it's so beautiful, it's what animates your life, 
So you're not going to start asking questions. Well, technically right now I'm, per I'm permitted not to be learning, so I'm not going to learn. No, the first thing you're going to do when you have free time is you're going to run to open up a Gemara. You're going to run to open a Torah to learn more because that's what's animating your life. That's what's animating your life. And I thought it was a, a beautiful idea. And also what it shows you, according to Tosfa seemingly, is the mitzvah of writing a Torah. It's really about the Shira. It's about, it's, about, it's about singing the song of Torah. It's about having Torah to learn from. And, and this brings us back, I think, in a way, to the, the student of the Rambam, who says the reason we write the Torah, each and every one of us, is because that's what invests us in it. That when you purchase a Tevah Torah, when you invest yourself financially in the endeavor of Talmud Torah, that creates a, a personal desire to learn Torah. And by the way, he goes on to say as follows. The, the Shulchan Aruch tells us, a person, you're not allowed to sell Tevah Torah for anything, except, as you mentioned, to get married and to... And to get married and to, have, and to uh, learn Torah itself. He says, the Shulchan Aruch says, what happens if someone's very hungry? They're starving, they don't have food. Assuming it's not a case of Kuach Nefesh. Assuming you know, they just, they're, they're very, very hungry. You're not allowed to go and sell separate Torah to buy food. Go, you have to go to the uh, local Kupas Tzedakah and ask for Tzedakah money. Why would that be? So the same time of the Rambam, I forgot his name, he says, because we're trying to demonstrate is, the same way we live off the sustenance of bread, we live off the sustenance of the Torah. And therefore, if we don't have food, we're not going to sell the last remaining bit of food we have, that is the Torah, the sustenance of our life, the shira of our life. And what's beautiful is this very last mitzvah, the capstone of the Torah, according to the Chinuch, is to tell us, not only do we have this mitzvah of keeping all this, this entire Torah, we have a mitzvah to write it down so we can constantly remember it, but I think beyond that, we call it a shira to remind us that the Torah is much more than just a list of 613 mitzvahs, a litany of commands and and obligations. But rather, it's a shira, which should animate our life to such an extent that we're going ahead, we're writing it, we're investing money in writing it, and it becomes the, the cornerstone to everything we do. I wish you a wonderful week.